A wise man once declared, what is understood does not need to be said. But while I know that you understand that The Athletic is doing crazy things, major things with the NBA podcast, I'm going to say it anyway. Because what is understood needs to be said when you're reading an ad. You feel me? With the return of the NBA season coming fast, The Athletic has launched The Athletic NBA Show. It is a daily podcast featuring some of your favorite basketball voices under one umbrella. David Aldrich, Ethan Strauss, Zach Harper, Sam Amick, Waz Lambre, Dave Dufour, myself, and more, right? And there's a rotating cast of writers from around the league. We've got the full spectrum of NBA consumption, something for everybody. Every day you get a new show covering everything from insider news to cultural issues and deep dives to in-game analytics. Man, we got it all. We got jokes. We got commentary, monologues, you name it. We're going to talk about it on the Athletic NBA show. You're going to hear it. You know what I'm saying? We got uh, John Hollinger, Jason Quick, Kavitha Davidson sliding through, Seth Partnow, Jay King, Fred Katz, Mo Dakil. Like, it's going down. And it's all produced by the legend, Jade Hoy. So before things tip off later this month, you got to make sure you subscribe to the Athletics NBA show. It is available now wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, what's understood doesn't need to be said. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to. Warriors plus minus. We've got the whole crew here. We got the boss man, Tim Kawakami. We got Ethan Strauss in the building. And we have our Lakers beat writer, Anthony Slater. And we have nothing to talk about. I'm your host, Marcus Thompson. What are we talking about here? NBA positivity, uh, which is uh, ironically. Oh, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how Ethan was wrong about the bubble. (laughs) Adam Silver. We're getting Adam Silver calling in right now. He's just going to (laughs) go. I will say, okay, so A, the day of no positive tests, it's a great thing. I think that's something that we should all we should all be happy with and we should all celebrate it. I, I do it is the okay, so here's what I would say. You need some arrogance to succeed big time in sports, in business. You need some arrogance. I think the NBA in many ways is an arrogant league. And so it's interesting watching them off the initial blast of the positive news which ironically means no positive cases. And they've got their chest puffed out, man. They're talking about how America needs to learn from us. And I'm just looking at them. I'm thinking, man, you really want to spike the ball on, on your own 20-yard line? We've got a we've got a long road ahead of us, folks. I mean, maybe that speaks to just how good the conditions are in the bubble, how whatever's going on in there, because I'm not in there, it feels safe. But it's just interesting to watch a the good news and then be the celebration of it and the uh look to us we know what our what we're doing already it's a reaction to the government right that's what it is it's like 
it can be done. I think they're trying to convince their players to, like, look, we're doing it right. Let's keep this up. But it's also, if America had done this, instead of open all the bars, you know, in, in Louisiana, Alabama, Texas, and Florida, this would have been a better situation. So I think, there, yeah, there's a political thrust to this, but it's also to make sure that their players understand this is going well. Guys, let's not screw this up. You've been good. I mean, I'm sure there have been some slip-ups, but let's you know make it a positive reinforcement. This is going well. Let's keep it going well. Let's have these games. Let's make all these millions. And we can also be a, a little bit of a symbol to what could have happened or what can still happen in America. A little bit broad, but it still could be like that. You know, we've done these podcasts, I don't know how many weeks now together. I remember in the early ones, we were, as all the leagues, they had stopped and we were kind of coming to realize how long this was going to take from a stoppage point. And the NFL had just done its draft and it went off to great ratings. We were all sitting there kind of like, hey, come on, Adam Silver, what are you doing? Look at the NFL. We know they're just going to plow through. They won't care about it. We're coming to a point now where it seems like the NFL just was thinking, hey, we're just the NFL. We're going to plow through. And that's now that training camp is like what we're on the eve of basically what NFL training camp should have been. It seems like they kind of wasted time thinking, hey, we're just the NFL. We're going to just go through it. Guys, doesn't this kind of feel like you're at an arena or a stadium and you're watching the Jumbotron and you've got the little the green little car and the, the red little matrix. car? Yeah. The, it's like, oh, there's like, OK, there's MLB is right out in front. Oh, now. OK, now it's NFL. NFL is. Oh, my God. Here comes the NBA. I feel like there's this rush to have the first competent sports season and it has not been that linear it really does seem back and forth back and forth right it now. does but what it just seems like the nba because look they were trying to finish the season i remember at the time we're like man this is terrible timing for the nba because you're trying to finish the season whereas the nfl is perfect timing right you get an entire off season to create a plan but it just seems like while the nba was desperately creating this plan that has clearly worked Seems like the NFL might be in a little bit of trouble. You know, what's interesting to me is like this could be some, a, a good first half team. You know what I'm saying? And the real question is, will they be able to stick to this? And we're a couple weeks in and it's still kind of novel. But what happens in a month? I think that's going to be the real test, right? A month in, six weeks in. Will they be a good fourth quarter pandemic team? Or will this be just like a good hot start and then eventually like they'll be letting all kind of people into the bubble? You know, theoretically, it works. Theoretically, it always makes sense. It's like your home, right? It's just with significantly more people. But if you could keep a space where everybody's cool and everybody's quarantined, it makes sense. But I wonder if they'll be able to maintain it, even though they've gotten off to a good start. So let's see if this is the old fourth quarter warriors that will be in the game and then choke down the stretch. Who's making the coaching adjustments? So they got Spolstra. All the adjustments to... are going to be everything. TK, this is going to be your new piece, right? Coaching Yeah, There we go. There we go. Let's see. That move, letting those three people in was probably the wrong move. And you got to quarantine this 14 other people. You know, you mentioned that it is interesting. The games start tomorrow, scrimmages, and, you know, that does let second tier, but it lets a lot more people kind of in this sphere, right? You, you know, broadcasters, I heard Stan Van Gundy talking. He's doing the games for TNT. They have the broadcasters not in the bubble, but they bring them into the arena. They're going to separate them from the players. And apparently, you know, there is, you know, owners, GMs, even G like Bob Myers, if he wants, apparently can go. And you do have to get a negative test. I believe it's 72 hours beforehand. But then you could walk right into the arena. Now you can't just walk up to Kawhi Leonard and start talking to him for tampering and for health-related reasons. But 
I think it gets trickier as these games start happening. It is a, just a crazy psychological experiment that we're all watching, and there is that initial novelty. You do wonder, on the one hand, it's fun to see them all fishing. They're having a great time fishing. On the other hand, I think to myself, if fishing is the main thing to do in this bubble, I mean, they're going to be climbing the walls in a few weeks. This is just going to be hard to manage psychologically. You're making everybody do something that just seems unnatural. And I have my trepidation. I have my awareness of the downside risk. I'm impressed that the NBA is just sticking to it all. We should also say that there have been players leaving the bubble for reasons that the NBA won't disclose. That is something also happening. I mean, again, there's going to be these things that we've said from the beginning. There will be situations they'll have to deal with. Probably in the middle of a playoff round, they'll have to deal with it and understand that's going to happen. Several players are having children, having babies during this because, you know, this is the time to kind of aim to have a birth. I mean, like, you know, look, I'm, I'm getting married in the middle of August because, hey, that's the deadest time in the NBA season. People put their big, you know, personal life experiences in August, typically. So that's kind of like, I know Dennis Schroeder. Wait a minute, you're getting married in August. You got, you're carrying two teams right now, Slater. Can you do this? You're, you're carrying the weight of the California on your shoulders right now. Oh, anyway, uh, Dennis, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder is like, I, you know, he's an important player for the Thunder. You're 100 to 1 Thunder, Ethan. He has to leave. Down, si- down to 60 to 1 at Westgate right now. Uh, well, Dennis Schroeder's got to leave at some point. And I, and I know there are more people like that. Apparently, the Montrez Harrell absence, I, I saw, I think, on online that one of his grandparents died. So that isn't a coronavirus related one. I don't know about Zion. The NBA is probably frantically trying to get him back in the bowl. Dennis, um, I know your family's important to you, but there are a lot of degenerates out there who are really counting on you to make them a lot of money. So, you know, maybe just take that. No, sorry. Gordon Hayward's another one that apparently is going to leave for a little while, too. So, you know, that's going to pop up. This might be the perfect recipe, though. Think about it. Like, if you time it right and you play this right, you could really get a bubble reprieve and then come back kind of refreshed. Right. Like maybe a couple more people should do it. Like, you know, come up with a reason to leave two weeks and then come back. It might be the great mental health relief they need at some point. But LeBron kind of did it like, what, three years ago? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, he, t- yeah. he just kind of took January off. And then, oh, by the way, I'm feeling a lot better in, in April and May now because I took off like seven games in, in January and February. It's kind of been done. We'll, we'll see if it can be done here. But you got to say, like, it, this has started off well for the NBA before any games and we're going to get some games we'll see how that goes we'll see what the quality of play is see what the ratings are but i think that's where yeah just because the nfl's all separate they're all having separate conditions they're gonna to have to travel to each other back and forth it's not a bubble situation i don't think you could do that in the nfl but the bubble we'll see with the nhl too the two bubble situations and we'll put the mlb in the other one where they're moving all over the place i just think the bubble situations would had to be done it's the way this is going to work, and if it does, and the ones that don't have the bubble, MLB and NFL, I think they're going to they're going to have some major issues. Wait, these players start coming in and testing, and then getting you know how many positives. And there's are so then, many, and many of them too. Yeah. That's and the there's thing. so many of yeah. them, so many different contexts. They all been working out together, by the way. I mean, you can see the videos that they, they, you know, none of them are social distancing. It's just not what NFL players do. There's going to be a whole lot of complications going in the future. Why do you think the NFL, with all the time they had, did, has clearly not... I mean, you're seeing like J.J. Watts tweeting out all that. They have not put anything in place. Well, no, they finally agreed. They, they agreed to a protocol yesterday, you know, and, and they're saying deadlines create deals. 
there is a framework for an agreement. Now they're going to have to, there's financial stuff they have to deal with, but they have finally agreed to daily testing. They, they finally agreed to a whole bunch of stuff. They're going to back up contact. This has finally happened. Both sides went up to the deadline and, and then the NFL players decided to make a loud noise about it. And I think it got the decision made. I think it was about preseason games. The NFL finally kind of said, okay, we don't need the preseason games. It's a lot of money they're giving up, but it was just not feasible under the conditions where they were at. I also think the NFL thought that there wouldn't be this flare-up again. Right? They, they were basing it on a flattening of the curve, which was, what, late April? As they're having their draft, they're feeling good. Okay, we just had our draft. Things are The lines are looking okay. By the time we get to camp in late July, you know, it won't, you know, maybe not no no big deal, but it will be less of a deal. And guess what? It spiked up again right as they're trying to do this. They shouldn't have been thinking that. You should always guard against something bad happening in, in this world. But I think that was it. They just didn't understand or didn't factor in that Florida, where they have football teams, and Texas, where they have football teams, and Louisiana, where they have football Arizona. teams. Arizona where they would would be problematic and, and produces a ton of football talent out of those states yep. where guys that's where live. these guys all congregate yes yeah, where they hang out in the offseason they didn't like all the way line that up but they're all deal makers they're not going to hit until like mid-august so that's when the games are supposed to be the protocol they've set up now is no padded practice till like the 20th practice well you can go come back now from reporting on the july 28th if you go 20 practices from there that's a that's a, that's no preseason basically. So they might be a little bit of uh, victims of seeming to have the most favorable path that gets you complacent. You know, like uh, the Netherlands has the best architecture because they have to manage all the waterways and they have to do the most, so they do the best. So the NBA had to do the most as an indoor sport, and so they were really diligent in coming up with their with their plan. Versus the NFL, I think you could have assumed. Hey, we got what sixteen games. It's outside. We rely a lot on the TV money. You know, this will be relatively speaking easy. And they had the draft that went so well. I think that they got lulled into a false sense of security in part because of the uh, favorable conditions. And then for the aforementioned no, reasons, not the NFL. No. <laughs> and by the way, I, I, can we generalize and say maybe a majority of NFL owners really thought this might have been a hoax anyway? Can can I generalize and say that? Can I possibly do I that? I don't know about a hoax, but but definitely like they believe that. They ain't wearing masks. We know that. <laughs> or, or, they, or they bought into the weather will warm up and things will get better. That sort of thing line of thinking or or to, to me also like in this political climate the belief that look we're just gonna have the season and people are just gonna have to deal with it they can moan about it but they're gonna watch it and we're gonna have it rub some dirt on it and you know they still might be right they still might just yeah. be able to oh, plow yeah, through the season while everybody kind of is like uh why is this happening the nfl can just do do about just anything, anything. The play, but the, yeah. i think the players are the ones the only possible i ones. said the nba is arrogant there are degrees of difference i think the nfl arrogance is probably a magnitude above nba arrogance the arrogance pecking order nfl arrogance is a magnitude above everything i mean that like they're, they're just used to having everything go their way because they own the television period and I think this is one moment where the players were able to like, hey, our health is more important. Like the, the NFL union has been, you know, just ra railroaded and slammed over and run over and piled on for years and years and years. I think it was the one time they said, OK, wait a minute. Like, you know, I, I can't do this for my health. When you have Russell Wilson and Drew Brees and all these others saying I can't. J.J. Watt, the NFL did have to take notice of that. And, and 
we'll see how this turns out. But you know, there was one moment where the the owners had to pause. But I yeah, they're going to try. They're going to try play. I mean, college football. Look at college football. I don't think we're going to have a college football season. At least not in the fall. The NFL is going to have a football season. Uh, they're, they're, at least they're going to start it, and then we'll see where it goes because they just have too many millions of dollars. Like, look how hard it was for them to give up preseason games. Preseason games. It was like tooth and nail. Players basically had a threatened boycotting camp on the eve of camp for the NFL to even think about giving up preseason games. There's a long way to go with the NFL, but they're, they're going to try to get these games I'm on. wondering, because I haven't tracked it completely, so you think that's so of college football, Tim. Do you think that's so of college basketball, which has implications for the Warriors? Yeah, it's a little later, so they have a little more time. But I think college basketball is in some jeopardy, too. But, I mean, it's a different thing, though, also, because these college players are theoretically students. So if you don't have the student population on campus, which almost none will have in fall quarter, fall semester, and you start getting a winter, which is when the basketball starts, and there's no students, how can you have the players play? They run into that hypocrisy. And we all know maybe it, these guys aren't so much students, certainly not the guys destined for the NBA, but they still have that veneer of student-athlete. So it's tough for colleges to sell. That's, that's why the college football is having so much trouble because how can you get 100 students and make them practice and make them play when you're saying the campus isn't safe for all the other student body? That's the problem colleges have. I wrote on this subject a little bit in the past, and I did not get a good reaction. I, I don't get a good reaction when I posit my theory that the NBA treats college basketball in a way that makes no sense business-wise. And I do think that sentiment is part of it, that the world isn't just determined by money, that there are other affiliations, and that a lot of NBA owners, they have fondness for the alma mater, and so they don't ruthlessly try to crush a competing business, which is what college basketball is. They have games on when the NBA games are on. They are competing for a market share. The NBA doesn't have games on that Monday of the NCAA championship. So I don't look at it as, as Dan Lebetard has called it, a free farm system for the NBA. I think that there's a real cost there. And right here, if you subscribe to my perspective on this, and I think a lot of fans don't, but if you I thought do, that was a athletic pitch. We have 40% off or something. We have 40% off. I, I will be writing on the 30 day free trial. Today, you get a free are you, T-Mobile. I was going to say, are you a T-Mobile? Uh? <laughs> um, if you subscribe to this line of thinking, you might look at this and go, well, this is a chance for the NBA to make the G League a legit farm system that gets real dollars, real attention, and takes out a lot of the college basketball market share. This is, in chaos, perhaps an opportunity if the NBA should choose to take it. They can more easily construct, and you're starting to see these players jump into the G League, these top prospects, and the NBA can say, hey, we did it with the bubble. We'll do it with the G League. It's a professional setting. You're going to get paid. This is the new farm system. This is where Zion Williamson, the next Zion Williamson, will be. College basketball, they don't have it together. If they want it, I do think something like that opportunity can present itself. That's fine, but Kate Cunningham staying in stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for multiple years. Who who would give up time in Stillwater? Who would possibly want to give up? Not me. I stayed an extra semester just because I loved it so much. We had all these all these 
platforms wanting to hire you and go, no, 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 no. I'm staying one. I want to win it all here. I'm going to win it all. Hey, so four hundred dollars a month in a big house does that appeal to you? Stillwater? <laughs> I mean, like, you something know, look, it's Stillwater. Me, so, I, yeah, it, I'm not sure it does. Yeah, yeah. Before I, we get to Slater, uh, you know, big time in us, I did want to ask the question. TK, you mentioned this before uh, in a Slack thing, but. Gabe Kapler became the first uh, North American manager slash coach to take a knee. How pissed is Steve Kerr right now that ah. somebody? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute now. He got robbed of his moment, right? Steve <laughs> wasn't even going to get the bubble to to do it though. So yeah, I'm right. He's right. Like, he had to wait till done. December. <laughs> or, or how pissed is Pop? You know. Just, yep. <laughs> yep. Doc Rivers. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, it is amazing. Again, it's all timing. It's it's not to having to do with individuals. I'm just but... picturing Nick Nurse with himself taking a knee on one of his own shirts because he keeps wearing his own branded content. Yeah, <laughs> it is amazing that it was a baseball manager who did this, and I would be more surprised if it was NFL coach. But you know, and again, the NFL the timing is backed up, and again, they won't be an NFL coach. But that it was a baseball manager it was a baseball manager in San Francisco. Hey, Jerry Jones not, did it not, back in the day. Remember that? No, he did. He he did it not during the anthem. That was, um, that was ridiculous. I sorry. I yeah, just thought yeah. about that Jerry Jones picture where he's on the knee. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, and that it was not an NBA coach uh, is is got like the NBA's got to go. Whoa, wait a minute here. We're, we're the league that's supposed to be doing this stuff. There you go, uh, Gabe Kapler. He's the first one. Marcus, you know him a little bit. Any thoughts about this? It's not surprising, but uh, it's like you know, it's still a little funny to me. But I, I immediately when you said that, I immediately thought like, yeah, you know what? Who would have pegged that? I do feel like uh, that's that's on brand for Kaplan, though, right? Like, he's been talking about this stuff. He thinks about it, you know. His parents were, I think, civil rights Absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. He fashions himself as an ally. And, like, even before, like, all this began, we had a talk when he got hired about this stuff, right? Like, so I thought it was very interesting. And the immediate thought came to mind, and I'm probably stepping on the column here, is, like, Bruce Maxwell took a knee on that field and, and basically got kicked out of baseball. And then Kapler on the same field is like the hero for doing it. And I could just see Steve Kerr smashing the clipboard like, dang it. <laughs> this, is, this is my, like, no, for who's, like, I, like, who would take a knee out of the NBA coaches? My first thought is Doc and Pop. Can Pop get down there? He's an old yeah, man. Someone's going to have to help him back it's up. It's going to look like uh, Pelosi yeah. and Schumer needing to be helped back up on the, uh, <laughs> on the floor of Congress. I think Terry Stotts. Pretty can we active. gamble? Can we gamble on this? Are there <laughs> no, odds we on cannot this? gamble. We cannot. <laughs> Stan Van Gundy would have if he was in the Stan league. Van Gundy he might be doing have. it from the yeah. broadcast booth. Does Brad Stevens do it? He might. He might. I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. It becomes a bit of social contagion where it's it's one thing when it's the kind of choice you don't expect but then it becomes a now you're making a statement for not doing it and it reaches a tip. I almost point. think that's why they wouldn't do it though because like many of them already have the kind of track record for speaking on it maybe they say like you already know where i stand so remember that's kind of what the nba said back in the day when like the kaepernick stuff was kind of at a fury and people were asking like well why aren't nba people doing it? it's like because we're sitting here just telling you all that we think and our league doesn't even really care you know but we're about to get some of what we're talking about we're about to get that answer coming up this week because scrimmages start tomorrow i don't know have you guys seen the court there there's videos today it's actually a really nice setup by the nba it looks like but included is kind of on the far 
from the you know the far side of the court is a big black lives matter you know kind of sticker on the court the nba is going to be central in the culture war in a way that i think is new um and it really it hasn't been and the nfl oddly was for for a while but i think the nba especially and you're starting to see it building right now and you know Keep the main thing the main thing. I, I think if the NBA pulls this off and it goes well, maybe this will all just be noise, right? And it won't be it won't be such a thing. But you're but you're seeing it. I just got an email from uh from Josh Hawley, as I'm sure a lot of other you know a lot of other uh, NBA writers did. Uh, I did not respond to it with any expletives. I didn't, Ethan. It seemed like he's targeting you. <laughs> Ethan, uh, yeah, come, yep. Yeah, Looking through my email, I see no Josh Holly. I see no Josh Holly email. Oh, okay. I didn't get one, but it's I guess a tweet. I challenge every major American corporation that's making products overseas in China. The pledge that they are hashtag slave free, that they do not will not rely on forced slave labor, and I think he's accusing Nike and the NBA of benefiting. I do actually do not know much about whatever the hell is in the Nike supply chain. That is not something I have looked into at all, but this seems, and you look at Mark Cuban versus Ted Cruz, you can see that the NBA is not just going to be pulling off or trying to pull off this very difficult playoff, but it's also going to be a ton of noise in the political arena. And that's also on the horizon. Yeah, but that's also part of of how they got the players to buy into this, right? I mean, like they're not gonna they're not gonna put a muzzle on anybody. In fact, they're they're gonna like put a microphone in front of, of these players who who want to speak out, which is great. And we'll see how you know we'll see how it plays out. There might be some we know there's gonna be reaction to it, and you know we'll see if this continues. But the players don't want to go into some bubble and just disappear from the social landscape. They wanted to maintain it or even amplify it. And this is going to be reflected from the coaches to executives to some of the owners, not all of them. There will be kneeling. There will be kneeling during the national anthem. I mean, to the know, pregame I'm, show, have you guys seen this new Draymond Green? Charles, I did Barkley? not see it. I heard about I it. I saw that they're it. they're uh, making somewhat amends. Uh, is is that what's going on, or at least? Being well, they're sitting next to each other. Well, connects to strong. It was kind of a weird setup. They had like basically looked like lawn chairs set up like six feet apart from each other. It's Draymond, Charles Barkley, Kerry Champion hosting Dwayne Wade too. They basically got it to the point where it's not not going to be addressed on the show, but. They had Popovich on last night, and they're mostly just talking like social issues. They weren't. I didn't see them at all break down basketball last night. Are they gonna do this every week? Well, there's what there's no basketball this? to break down. To be fair, it's well, like, yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I think they're doing it like all this week. They did it last night, and it's on again tonight. I don't know when it stops. I don't know if it's just a one week thing. It's kind of something I should probably look into. But they should get a Laker presence on there, or Slater is not gonna pay that much attention to it anyway. So. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm very curious because I'm also a TV ratings nerd. I'm very curious, is this going to be a situation where a lot of people are saying, man, I miss sports so much. I'm so happy the NBA is back. I am watching this stuff. And you've seen some good ratings, I think, from some of the smaller scale sports or sports that don't tend to get great ratings in the United States. I think for soccer, it's been pretty good. Is that going to happen or are people going to go, yeah, this is weird. It looks like summer league. I've got other stuff to do. I'm really interested to see what happens there. The arena, by the way, is a is a five part series, uh, according to the press release. I think it's every day this week then for an hour. Oh, really? Yeah, it's five five part. You know those players who decided. Some of them who decided not to put, you know, the statement on the back of their jersey are gonna like 
make a big statement, you know, something that they think is even bigger than, you know, a selected phrase on the back of the shirt. So I imagine LeBron's going to do something, something overt, something big when the time comes, which, you know, he'll have Anthony Slater writing about him. So Slater, can you tell <laughs> us about how you're uh, ditching us? And I'll break down film, all right? I'm not, I'm not a dense, uh, you know. We got Alice Caruso on the phone. I did. Not bad, not bad. I salute that. I salute that. <laughs> I like us just putting pressure on Slater. Like, I know. I mean, yeah, do you have your, a part? Are we having a one on one party or something? Yeah, yeah. Where's your one on one with Braun Slater? First like, of all, I have to write a warrior story later today, so I haven't exactly. And I also randomly incited a debate last week about Michael Carter Williams on the minimum. <laughs> I saw it, that. it went wild among Warriors fans. <laughs> he said Michael Carter Williams at the minimum becomes this huge debating point. Like anybody at the minimum, yeah, they sign anybody at the minimum. It's, it's okay. So I don't so. feel like I'm exactly, you know, dragged out of the, the, the Warriors realm. That's how you know people are desperate, by the way, when it's like <laughs> arguing over Michael Carter Williams. Oh, and it was it was furious. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I'm doing it from my couch. I'm doing the Lakers from my couch. I hop on these Zoom calls once a day, and I wasn't around the Lakers all season. I don't want to, like, intrude on beat writers who, like, you know, they have their relationships and they want to get their questions in. So I've taken the approach of kind of more helicopter view. Like, today I just kind of broke down uh, Kyle Kuzma, who might be their second unit, like, initiator and how terrible he was in the pick and roll this year. So... That's the kind of stuff I'm doing. I don't so I, I, I don't feel like a full Lakers beat right. I feel like almost like the Lakers like on court analyst. That's all right. To see how it goes. I think that'd be interesting. That's how it begins. That's all. That's how yeah. it begins. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll be at LA Live. With nobody there. I mean, when are we gonna be at LA Live? The Lakers are in Orlando right now. When are we gonna be having non Zoom interviews? You know? I this is not this is not looking very good at least for the start well whenever, uh, as, as whenever we always we say on this show uh if, if any of you out there listening big warriors plus minus fans if any of you are like sitting on a cure uh if you could just move that along that would be great so you know psa go oxford that's why I, I i think the oxford one i keep hearing about billy bean telling me about let's go oxford i'm i'm, I'm full full oxford vaccine right now to all my homies out there i have a question for you are you prepared Right now, to unveil your summer body. You're probably not. I know. You've been quarantined and you've been stuck in the house. But listen, the beaches are opening. The sun is shining. The ladies are out. The guys are out. People are working out in the streets. Let me tell you, it's going down, especially in California. People are outside sweating Showing off their bodies. Are you ready to unveil yours? Is your bushes tamed? Keep in mind, we might get shut down again because people aren't wearing masks. But you have a small window here, at least, to show off your summer bod. And Manscaped is here to ensure that your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. You don't have to look like you were in the wild, but you can be ready for the wild. You feel me? Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. And they have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. Yes, we're on version 3. The kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0, which is waterproof, has a cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is the best trimmer on the market, and you need that chest shaved. So you might as well use it. 
This third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents because you cannot have scabs while you're showing off your summer bod. That is a violation. You can also adjust the settings to get a length you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. And also be sure to use their crop cleanser to keep your hair and skin healthy. It's an all-in-one formula, so it's as good for healthy chest hair as it is for your skin. Now, inside this perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. I hope you're doing it at the beach, by the way, and not while you're working out. Please do not work out in public with your bathing suit on. Please. You'll also find the Crop Reviver. It's a below-the-belt toner that's designed to give you a pep in your step and smell great. So subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade to refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Now, for a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts. You get the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. You get 20% off plus free shipping if you use the code THEATHLETIC20. So go to manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. I wanted to bring up one warrior thing, a couple warrior things on my mind, but we might have some other things. Hollinger just did some questions about the eight teams that didn't make the tournament, and his one for the Warriors is Draymond going to be a center. And I've kind of been around that one, and Steve has mentioned it early on. When we talk about them drafting a center or signing a center, I don't know how feasible that is if Wiseman isn't the guy and with Draymond isn't shooting the ball from three. Isn't he basically got to be your center at some point? Funny you say that. Let me uh, quickly before we swing into our draft expert, Ethan Strauss. I did a beat writer mock draft that it will be coming out, I think, Thursday with uh, James Edwards, our Detroit writer. He did a fake lottery top five. I mean, it's just the top five. Warriors got third pick. Anthony Edwards went one. You took Wiseman. I took Wiseman three. Avija went two. I took Wiseman. I don't know. Two for Avija. Yeah. I was surprised by that a little too. Atlanta. Chris Kirshner picked him. But anyway, uh, I took Wiseman 3, 7-6 wingspan, the athleticism. I think what will be important on the Wiseman watch with the Warriors to me is can they get him in the building? Because he can really wow you, I think, with that size, bouncy athleticism. If they get him in person and he just sits there in a, in a Chase Center empty gym and hits you know, 20 of 30 from 3 or something like that, we don't know how he shoots really or his touch. He just seems appealing to me. I've convinced myself of Wiseman. I love your Wiseman take. I want you to I want you to stick with it. I want this to be your call that Wiseman is the guy. I'm not so convinced, but then again, you can't be too confident in anything you say on I Wiseman. I mean, Marquise Chris basically said it, right? Like <laughs> he announced it when yeah. he said he wanted to start, but you know Wiseman is good, so I'm on, yeah. I'm on that wagon. Right? You know, so, I I like a Kongwu, although I think Nate Duncan was killing a Kongu a little bit, and I'm curious what the counter-argument on him is. I mean, it's a difficult, difficult draft. And the Draymond and what did Killian question, do to you, by the way? 
Oh, I'm I'm still a Killian all the way, man. I mean, you I, ain't mentioned him in like a month. Well, he hasn't played in anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's off in a, a further analysis of his time not playing. <laughs> yeah, it's not like thinking. you know, I don't I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what the rules are in France. You know, are the, is he allowed to really get in the gym like that? I have no clue. But it is difficult all the way around, and I do think there's a strong argument for trading this particular. Well, no, no. I like the argument for trading the next pick and keeping this pick because this pick is the one the league doesn't value. Ethan's mixing up his takes. I'm mixing up my takes. I like keeping this pick because you might as well take your shot. If the league doesn't value it, try to get a good pick. And then if the league really is so tantalized by all these athletic small forwards next season, maybe you parlay that and maybe you trade that. You trade that Wolves pick for something incredible. To your original question, Tim, on Draymond at center, I mean, I mean, Steve Kerr even said it to you pretty transparently in a podcast that he would play more center next year. But look, they need another one. They're adding a center this summer. Now, is that a Wiseman? We'll see draft night. We'll see if they fall in love enough with him. But if it's not, they're going to need to add a big this summer. If that's a veteran, we'll see. And one, to me, they need a big body big. They need a guy who can play Jokic, can play Adams, can play Gobert. Because that's not Chris. I can remember, Again, I think I probably already mentioned this, but I remember Chris after a Thunder game talking about how tough it was to, to keep Steven Adams off the boards. He's just not a center size. He came to the league as a small forward. That's really going to be the Warriors, you know, starting center next year i mean maybe but just i think they just need a big big yeah i agree with that and you know we'll see it depends on you know the level of center you get there but if you go through it and like hollinger was saying is you know even if you get one you're probably not ending the game with them right because draymond's going to play five at the end of the game and and pascal he didn't even mention pascal by the way which is hilarious but pascal is going to play four. the best five players are draymond pascal wiggins clay and steph so you're going to end with that five that's just traditionally how they do it and so if you draft Wiseman and an, and another center or draft a center or add a center, that player's probably not going to play at the end of games. And, and that's okay. I'm not they, sure they, any rookie in this yeah. draft is going to play at the end of games. For the, it's not like LaMelo Ball or something would. That's likely the way it's going to be, and you, you understand. And you know what? And, and that player might end up replacing Draymond. And so I think, you know, you, you have to – although, of course, Draymond's got four years left on his contract. But, um, you know, I think if you're thinking about – how it's going to improve the Warriors, like get them to another level this season. I mean, we've talked about this a million times. It's not going to be with a center. It's going to be with a wing. And can you add value with a wing? I mean, there's all these complications with that. I just think if they're going to maximize what they have right now, it's with Draymond's going to be at least playing the last five minutes of every half at center, at least, and, and maybe more, because I don't know how else he, he gets on the court with Pascal. And I think Pascal's one of the five best players, and that's what you're always trying to get. You can't have Pascal play 20 minutes if he's one of your five best players. He's got to play 30, which means he's got to play with Draymond, which means Draymond's got to move to center, in, in my calculation of this. But Steve is and, always worried about overplaying Draymond at center. So yeah, I think he's less that he's, he's less on that now, though. I mean, there's just so few big centers out there now. I mean, I have a you choice, know? right? He's kind of got to. Yeah. Some of the best are in their conference and among the contenders, though. You know, you say, who do I most think is going to be an all-star four years from now? That's who I'm taking. You don't worry about position. You just, who's going to be the best player in four years? And you don't necessarily say who is going to help the most in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers next season. Likely answer that is nobody. Unless, you know, maybe you get like a Tyrese Halliburton because he might help right away for... 14 minutes more than a Wiseman but then four years from now Tyrese Halliburton is still the seventh man and you know there's an all-star in this draft that you could have picked 
that would be your, you know, in 2024 would be playing 30, you know, all-star level minutes per night. Yeah, you can't go the Jacob Evans route anymore. <laughs> That's like, you can't, You should have done it when they did it, but you definitely can't do it now. Like, he's good in certain places, and they can put him in there, and he works. No, you, you can't. It's got to be somebody's going to have some unique skills, uh, if, especially if you're drafting the top five. There's got to be, like, a, a, a really good one or two skills that they can win at the NBA level. Or else you don't take him. So no more 16-game players, huh? No more, no more 16-game players. His career was 16 games or something like that. We know the guy Slater would get. We know the guy I would get. I want the TK and Marcus picks. That's that's what I want. Hey, if Wiseman can hit jumpers, I take him. But I question that. I have no idea. He's shown some soft touch from like 10 feet out, which to me shows... You can get there. He's only 19. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and his free, throw, his free throws are okay. Lethan, I think you've done studies uh, in on AAU, everybody's free throw shooting. A, a, in yeah. the 50 range in the AAU. Oh, no, that's stats. not good. But that's, <laughs> all again, right, all right. AAU. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. Like, it's easy to dismiss that, but we were in a crazy situation where that's the most relevant information about Wiseman statistically. And it might be the most relevant information about next year's draft class statistically because of the crazy pandemic. You know, I don't know that he's a second or third pick and maybe not even a fifth pick, but I just like Okoro. I I could see him playing really good NBA basketball. Now, we don't know about the shot. We don't know about some other things, but he looks like he can cut. He looks like he can play, you know, defense. He can play help defense. He's long. I can see him turning in, you know, we talk about Josh Richardson, a different kind of player, but like one of those, like, I don't know about him. And then by the end of his rookie year, you're going, he's really given good minutes to a good team. I could see him having that kind of like, and then by his third season, he's, you know, a starter and maybe he's looking like a potential all-star player. Of all the players I've looked at, and and I haven't looked at a ton of them, but he's the one who doesn't seem like, oh, he's going to get, he might get blown off the court on one side of the ball. I think Okor might be the most complete of the guys I looked at. Anthony Edwards is probably most, is probably the most talented. Yeah, exactly. A A little, you know, stylish, strong enough. Maybe he can hit a shot, can defend pretty much everybody. Like Anthony Edwards is probably the most talented player in the draft, but I just, I just defensively, I don't see how he stays on the court, and I don't know that he shares the ball enough. If I'm not going to take Edwards, then I'm going to go for somebody I think can really, really help you on the defensive side and maybe help you on the offense. I'm going to want a wing, and, and, and my favorite wing in this draft is Okoro. I just don't know how you pass up Wiseman. If he hits, if he can make a shot, yeah. If he makes a shot, if yeah. he hits and you didn't take him, <laughs> like he's the ideal. If you're getting away from, if you're advancing to the next level, they've been looking for a five who could potentially score forever. So I almost think it's worth the risk, even if it's a low probability of him hitting, just because if it works, it's going to work tremendously. You put him with Steph and Clay. You put you give Draymond somebody who's that big at center position. It just feels like it will work. Like if it feels like if it works, this is what is gonna hit. Like this is the player that they've been needing for a while. But I mean, I'm not putting money on it working, right? So I think that's gonna be a really difficult thing to pass up. I I I'd say it depends where they draft. I really believe where you pick will de- will determine a lot. You start getting to four and five, I'm going Okoro. I like Okoro. I think he's a guy who's going to play 10 years in his league, and he probably won't ever have the all-star 
like I just see Andre Iguodala, and maybe if you're two three, I'd lean Lamelo over Anthony Edwards. But if Wiseman's gone and you got the number two pick, I'm I'm, I'm taking Lamelo. So I don't know if I have one player. It's all like situational to me because none of them are making me say you got to have that guy. But if you're five and a Coral's on a board and you lost Wiseman and and Melo, all right, yeah, take them. For me, that's how I see it. But if they get one, it's just going to be tough to pass up Wiseman. And, and the worst part is you won't know for two or three years, <laughs> right? Like it'll be like, all right, in three years, Steph is looking at you like, we could have had that guy. That's one good thing with bigs is that you tend to know really early. It's funny. People say that centers take longer to develop. It actually seems to be the opposite, where centers, almost like a running back in the NFL, there's that immediate, okay, this guy's good. Okay, this guy's not so good. So maybe that is a justification for why, even if the center position is the least coveted in the NBA, maybe that's a justification for why the Warriors would go that route, just because they need help sooner relative to the other teams. The only thing that, you know, remember it used to be like, take a big guy, and even if he doesn't turn out really well, maybe he's valuable, you can trade him in two years because there's going to be value because he's a big young guy. That does not seem to be the case anymore. Like Definitely not as likely, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when a big guy flattens out, it's done. You know, that's – and the Warriors have had back end of the draft, of the first round, big guys, but, man, they've got nothing, you know, they got nothing for Damian Jones. You know, it just isn't – the thing and we've talked about it a million times it's not a big guy league but if you get one it's really good <laughs> if you get one who can shoot my goodness you know then then there's a whole different looking kind of lineup but you got to know you got i mean patrick o'brien was supposed to be a big guy who could shoot and that really worked out really nicely for them it worked out just fine so when you miss on a big guy you miss you tend to miss hard the other difference is too none of those dudes play with steph curry you could yes, you could you could miss hard on a lot of non bigs yeah. in this draft too. This year's this year's draft, absolutely. I mean, remember you know, uh, Damian Jones, for instance, as the guy who played with Steph Curry. <laughs> Did he actually play with Steph Curry though? <laughs> I don't think he actually played with him. About fifteen seconds before he tore both both muscles and both arms. So last week, I you know I kind of been running these target of the weeks by you guys before before I write them like I did last week. You know, John Hollinger got ahead of me on this this week a little bit uh, with that story he wrote. He mentioned Rudy Gay uh, in there, and I'm going to do a combo this week of Rudy Gay or Patty Mills from the Spurs. The Spurs are it, to me. It's it, this is about San Antonio, about just where they are in the progression, uh, which is at the end essentially, of, of the Popovich era, it seems. They were really bad this year. Aldridge isn't even playing for them in Orlando. It seems very unlikely they make a late run to the playoffs. I could see them kind of entering rebuild mode this summer, and they have Patty Mills is under contract. I believe it's around like $12, 13000000 million next year. Rudy Gay's at $14. they are both expiring deals. I don't know what you'd have to give the Spurs. Hollinger kind of, for Gay, who he proposed, said like do Kevon Looney in a second rounder. Mills, I don't think you'd have to give much up either. Maybe just like a second rounder. Do either of those guys appeal to you as rotation options? Rudy Gay, yeah. Rudy Gay is, that's appealing. That holds some appeal. Yeah, I mean, I'd say not ideal 33, isn't he? Whatever, however old he is. And 33, and he's post-Achilles, yeah. but he's actually yeah. recovered pretty well. But he Achilles. but he can shoot it. Which Man, is give, me I, 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 hey. give me Terrence Ross. Give me Terrence Ross or TK Hayes. Terrence Ross. <laughs> ugh, 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 ugh. <laughs> I know the Warriors head coach likes Rudy Gay and thought when the Spurs got him that like that was going to be this big move, uh, and, and and he's been fine. Gay's been fine for them. You can play him at the four. You know, you can play him with Draymond. 
You, you could do a lot of different things with him. I like him as a, as a player fit, especially to what he's developed recently. And he seems to be, you know, on board with everything and, you know, moving the ball around like a Spurs player has to. But the 33, I don't know. Is that really, 33 year old Rudy Gay really make a difference? I mean, maybe for one year he does. Yeah, you're kind of giving up that trade exception after a year. You know, I mean, it's just, you're not making a future forward type move with it in this scenario, but you're also not giving up much either. That's kind of the appeal. You know, you get a Josh Richardson or Smart or some of the better options we're talking about. You're giving up maybe the Minnesota pick or, you know, your, your current top five pick. So this to me is like, if the trade exception is about to expire and you're going to get nothing for it, but you're willing to pay the big taxes, you just go kind of get, hey, I'll take one of these guys into space. Rudy Gay's 31% for three. He is a wing. I know that's why he appeals to you more. What about Patty Mills as that like third guard? He's 38% from three this year on high volume. Smaller guards, on the, you know. He's like... a pesky defender. To me, he's like Quinn Cook times four, basically. He's been a, a rotation piece but on a title he, he, winner. He, he's okay. better than Kai Bowman. Yeah, yeah so I would hope he's better than Kai Bowman. Well, I was, well, thinking, I was saying, waiting I'm for you to say like, something else there. Yeah. I'm saying that he's like he's in that mold, but he's better. We need to, we need to put in the breaking news like sound <laughs> effect before that. <laughs> yeah, huh? like, Damn, what? you're killing Kai <laughs> Bowman. He's man. better than Nemanja Nedovic, you know. Who, uh, there's something right there. Wow, he's better than... That's a poll, by the way. <laughs> European Derrick Rose, by the way. He might have been... Euro Derrick Rose might have had some decent seasons. Maybe they should look into him. Maybe he just didn't work well with Mark Jackson and bring back Nedovic. Um, uh, my question on either one of I mean, I, I think Matt, Patty Mills good player. I mean, he's definitely change of pace guy. He can hit you. He some definitely kills threes. the Warriors. Yeah, he kills the Warriors. But again, is that the guy? Not only is that the guy who's going to get you to the next, be a bridge to the next era, but is he worth paying? You know, two point five times what his salary is going to be when you count in a luxury tax. I would want to go with a younger player there, and I, I know it'd be shorter term. You know, and so you're only paying it for a little bit. I would try to go for a more valuable player over the long term if I'm going to spend that much. Use this. You only got this device one time now. You know, it's one time use of it. Get a guy that you might be able to trade later or get a guy that, that's going to help you in three years. And I'm not sure either one of those guys. Although I think they're both good players. Like if you put them right on the Warriors right now, they'd make the Warriors better. No question. You're having Patty Mills shoot shots that you had Damian Lee shoot. I mean, all credit to Damian Lee, but I'll, I'll take Patty Mills shooting those shots because he's made them in big, 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 big games. And he went to St. Mary's, so local connection. Mary's, get, get Randy Bennett out there. I'm with you, though, TK. I think, I think it's just you got to start preparing for life after Steph and Clay, and you don't do that by waiting until the year that they're gone. So if not, and not even like for them to be gone, but you got to start grooming players to become one A while they're one B. Or or at least who can run with them when they get a new one, right? Well, like, that's about using your draft picks. To me, what's interesting about this case is if they buy whatever date it is, October you know, 27th, they don't have a trade in place, it's use it or lose it on that exception. And if you get to use it or lose it territory, you know, I understand you have to think about the tax penalties, but it might come down to like Patty Mills or nothing. You, know, you can't just say, hey, can we trade this in for a nice draft pick? You can't do that. So that's my concern. 
When what's he making again? What was Penny like Mills 13, making? 12, 13. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see Nedovich putting up numbers for Armani Milano. <laughs> Ethan's looking up these stats, right? He's just spending all his time looking up these Euro stats. 21 points per 36 minutes out there. You know, it's just... He's uh, going re- to resurface as this hot, dynamic, young coach. Uh-oh, it's 11 a.m., boys. I got to go to Forum Club, uh, Lakers Forum podcast. Club. Uh-oh, uh-oh, go. Everybody uh, subscribe. Even if you don't like the Lakers, you know, you can hate listen. Uh, Forum Club. I look forward to you lecturing us on how uh, LeBron isn't getting due credit and how all these haters <laughs> said that he couldn't be good in the West. I, I look forward to that column. He's a winner. He's a true winner. That's what the MVP should be about. True winner. Giannis is winning MVP. I will talk to you guys later, and I'll also listen to you guys killing me after I get off the podcast later. Slater's out to go off to Lakers. Thing. We can find out who's who's the, what's that sound coming from. I hear something like it's boiling clearly water. clearly Slater, right? Like, it was Slater. He's boiling water. Off, it's gone. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He's boiling water or using a leaf blower. He was flying to L.A. for the Forum Club pod. <laughs> <laughs> I might be doing a socially distanced golf with Slater. Maybe that'll be the next exciting thing we talk about on the podcast. We'll see how that all goes. Not your ace. Not your baseball coverage. Either. Oh, we'll talk. We'll talk. Well, your baseball coverage. I mean, I think this is going to be a this is going to be a team effort, and I am so happy. It's such an obvious joke that it doesn't feel different, but it really doesn't feel different watching the A's on TV in an empty coliseum and. It just felt like normalcy again. It just made me feel good when I was watching last night. Watching Sean Manaya throwing up those 85-mile-per-hour fastballs. Oh, God. That was, that's, yeah. that, a little flashback to the playoff. A little flashback to the playoff. I was flashing back like I wasn't sure. Again, this is all hindsight, but I wasn't sure that he should have gotten that start anyway. But And he had, he had pitched well down the stretch. I'm not, not going to be too much of a... Of obvious uh, pick, pick, you know, picking at him something, but I thought I thought Lazardo. I mean, if you're gonna go, just commit go Lazardo. Just just go let him blow in, it out yeah. for as long as he can. I mean, he was their best pitcher. We know that now. I think it would have been God. It would have been such a risk. But Lazardo looked like the best pitcher in that game, and you thought, damn, that was he's so much more talented than anybody else they have on the pitching staff. And so, yeah, they could do it over again. That's what they should have done, but I also don't. I don't fault them. I don't think they made a decision that was that was a crazy decision to make. It's just, I guess, knowing what we know now, um, Lazardo could have probably withstood that that test and actually. And actually well, that's what they did there. with Sonny Gray way back when. Like he was a hot thing, and they had Bartolo Colon, I think it was, who was like slated to be in that. Pitch that like game. Forty nine year old Bartolo Colon, yeah, too, or whatever he was. But it was supposed <laughs> to be the guy, and they went, you know what? We're going to go with the guy who just we just called up. So I thought Luzardo might, and then you can follow him up with Puck. I mean, it could have been that kind of thing. But oh well, we're talking about a wild card game from way back when, and now we're talking about Ethan's yeah, analysis. That's of the not that's not proof. This episode is over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited for baseball. I'm excited for basketball. I think there's a faint glimmer through the clouds this week there's a little bit of sunshine i just had something to watch on tv that i was kind of looking forward to which that wasn't netflix or amazon prime so I, I was happy about that like there's just something to look forward to i will be going to tonight's game too so see how that all works out my first uh, my first venture into a ballpark uh, for quite some time i'm so curious about that I, i'm just controversial take but if they are seating media members in the like in the literal stands not that I would ever advocate generally, normally drinking on the job. You should be allowed to drink beers. If you're in the literal stands with the sun beating down on you like a regular person. Who, who, who's ever stopping you from doing that? Yeah, actually, you probably already can. <laughs> so 
I don't know that anybody's saying don't, but uh, you have to bring them. You can drink it after the game. They serve it after the game while you're supposed to be actually writing. Wait, like, do they serve it? it? Do they serve it? Yeah, after you know how many? You know how many arena? They don't at certain places, well, but yeah, I'm that, so that, confused. You were in Portland do. drinking wine after the game. What are you talking about? Well, world? yeah, well they have their own. That's a whole other thing. The, the, the setup. Doesn't, that, doesn't the Warriors have beer? After the they game? had beer. I don't know that they did. They do it again. They they had it for a while. They stopped it. I think they might do it again. There's a few arenas that do, but many of them have stopped doing it. But I I know old baseball writers that they used to like. I mean, they'd have five beers right in their game stories. It was like a little embarrassing. But that was that was way back in the day. Billy Koch was the first player I ever seen down beers after a game. I was like, yo, what is he doing? Yeah, players drink beer. <laughs> well, they don't do. They don't do that anymore. Nah. That's like they, the, they've had some incidents with that stuff. 2016, 17 Warriors did like crazy though. They. they oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> they. They. That wasn't supplied rules. by the team. That wasn't supplied by the team though. That was brought in by the player. <laughs> they all had their own. They kept one. Yeah, I think there is a little bit of a stigma though. If you're and there should be generally, you probably shouldn't drink on the job. But I'm saying, if you put me out there, if you make me feel like I'm at a baseball game instead of confined to the stodgy press box, I feel as though I should be able to act like a normal human adult. That's all I'm saying. And the alcohol can can kill some of the virus, maybe right? Ah, I mean, who there knows? you go. Who knows? Maybe just the, the, the grain alcohol. Be sneaking in little flasks or something. <laughs> well, well, do I don't know what happens afterwards. Nobody goes in the press box, right? But do you interview well, the press the box? Pre- no, there's, there's. I, I haven't been in there, but I think the press box is just socially distant, so you're six feet across, which means that some seats at Oracle, at least, have to be out, have to be outside the press box. I think the A's have closed down the press box because it's such a small press box and put everybody in the stands. So it just depends on the size and kind of scope. Of, of so the is the box. Giants press box going to be open? I think people they are usually sitting in the press box. How do players do they? How do they do player interviews? How is that going to go? Uh, it's, uh, you just sit in the press box wherever and, you are and, and do it on a Zoom call. Get the Zoom link popping. That's all it is. That's all. Now, the NFL is talking about having social distance press conferences, but um, as much as I, as I would like that, I don't think that's going to happen. Or we might just have to all get tested before we come anywhere near that, and uh, I'd do that. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. The idea of anything where you're doing personal conversation, I don't think that's going to happen for quite some time. Well, we're all going to go in very short order and do this uh, experiment like I said, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be very strange being in the stands by yourself. But, you know, can't wait. The A's cannot wait for you. Chris Davis that. still looks like he can't swing the bat, by the way. <laughs> yeah, man, he'll get back to 247. We're good. 247. All right. Don't do no 249. We're out of here. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Everybody, see yeah.